Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 21st of December. I'm Andrew Gagan, good to have you with us. Our two experts on the show today, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities and Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Guys, welcome to both of you. Michael, uh, interesting 24 hours, uh, looking at the heat map today, um, it's looking like a sea of green. In stark contrast to what we saw yesterday, a sea yeah. of red. How are you looking at the market at the moment? And with you know thoughts, perhaps the Santa rally has completely dissipated. Mm. Are you expecting that volatility to continue at a year's end? Um, yes. So you, you mentioned the key word there, volatility. So you know the market has pulled back over the last several days, but it just doesn't look like an orderly, you know, low volatility, low volume sort of pullback. Um, you know the sorts of big moves that we've seen over the last couple of days. It's not what you want to see on a pullback if you are to to remain sort of bullish um, for the immediate term for the market. So it does look like there's, you know, there's there's going to be further weakness um, uh, at least in the short term. So despite today's uh, upwards move, it still hasn't erased yesterday's losses. So I think there will be quite a bit of chop. Volumes will continue to drop off, of course, over Christmas and and New Year, and provide plenty of swings. So. Yeah, it is a little bit more precarious now than, than what it was you know, only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Carl, does, does Michael's assessment play out for you on the charts at the moment? What are you seeing? Yeah, pretty close. I think we're at that period of the year. So this last couple of weeks of December are usually pretty good uh, for a Santa Claus rally. This one's a little bit delayed, but you know volumes are going to drop right off. And even looking at the volume today, it's just a fraction of where we would normally be for this time of the day. And funny things can happen in low volume environments, both to the upside and downside. What we tend to find is some of the fund managers like to sort of massage the year end or certainly um, H1 end uh, situation for their books. They want to be holding, you know, the better performing stocks and might turf out a few of the not so good ones. Uh, so that can, I, I, my prediction is, look, you could get a little bit of upside over the next few days. But I think then the reality, the reality of what 2023 could be will probably set in. And I do think there is uh, some more downside and potentially uh, quite a bit of downside at some stage, uh, probably in uh, early 2023. Yeah, that um, that famous call you made with Koshi about where, you know, if, it, if the ASX uh, 200 reaches a certain level. Um, 7,600. 7,600. Yeah, so, we got close. We got pretty close. Okay, it's but a you've... shame. I would have loved, loved that opportunity. <laughs> right, to uh, sell just, everything. To, to, just to sell everything <laughs> up there. We got to 7,376 and unfortunately, based upon the price action, I'm looking at that, that opportunity is probably gone. Yeah. Um, I do think, yeah, there's a chance we have, have started the next leg down. As I said, seasonally, this week could be okay and, and next week could be okay, but then watch out, I think, uh, 2023. Okay, 
But there will still be opportunities, of course, and hopefully we'll come across some. Of course. Today in our travels across uh, 10 stocks, uh, the first half of the show we're going to be looking at Alpha HPA, Bass Oil, Eris Resources, Tito Minerals and Bell Financial Group. Now, running the stock of the day, we're actually doing a commodity of the day, given what's going on at the moment in the economic turmoil of 2022. Uh, gold has, of course, struggled this year, uh, despite particularly what we're seeing at a geopolitical level. Uh, but could 2023 be a little different and bring on the gold rush? Are we already seeing that, perhaps? Recent analysis from investment banks such as Morgan Stanley uh, backing gold. That's the commodity as opposed to the stocks. So how does that set us up for the locally listed gold stocks? So. Carl, I know in our travels throughout the year, you have been so <laughs> negative on gold. You accuse me of being a gold bug for holding just one gold <laughs> stock. Um, has it turned? Yeah, uh, it has. Yeah. Look, I mean, hey, the thing about me is I'm the opposite of a gold bug. I've, I think I've said to you these exact words, Andrew. I think it's completely useless as a financial asset. Hey, it's great on your ears, around your neck, or, and I know they use it in satellites and stuff. Okay, I get that part of it. Uh, but as a store of value, it's not my thing, okay? I prefer the, uh, the the store of value of the ones and zeros kind. And so I know there are people shouting at their screens right now as I say that, but that doesn't stop me from investing uh, in the assets. So spot gold, it's uh, you can trade. I mean, uh, you could go trade the stocks. We're gonna talk about some of those today, but you can actually trade the physical assets. So you can get out there and trade uh, futures if you like. CFDs, think markets, wonderful CFD provider. You can trade spot gold on our platform. Um, but I think it's turning. I think it's turned the corner. The chart there you can see is looking pretty darn good. We have erased that uh, little problem we had there around about 1800 to 1808. I think we're putting in support or demand is is flexing its muscles around that sort of 1775 to 1780 level. You can see where my moving averages are starting to kick in. And uh, a great a candle last night, great big white candle pushing through, closing above uh, that pesky sort of 1808 level. And I think we've got a clear run probably into the high 1800s. I can see 1877 there might be the next point where we're going to see some supply, but it wouldn't surprise me if we can uh, get past that to see 1900 and maybe even have a look at those all-time highs. The reasons why, hey, look, I don't care. I'm a technical analyst. All I care about is demand and supply and the fact that we are showing excess demand at this time. Mm. I'm happy to ride the wave while we can see it. All right. Well, those gold stocks are off to the races today. Uh, the likes of Newcrest up close to 6%. Evolution more than 6 mm. Uh Perseus, uh, Gold Road, they're all uh, doing very, very well. So uh, just before... Michael, i get to you. Carl, a couple of picks then. What, what, what are your favourite stocks in the sector? Uh, well, look, all of those ones you mentioned, I think, look pretty good. The two I picked out, I've given you one today, which is my classic bottom left, top right. That's Capricorn Metals. Uh, these guys are producing out of their Kalawinda mine in WA. Look, they've just delivered their maiden profits. So looking to ramp up production. Very low cost producer. And you don't have any of that... Um, uh, you know, the potential geopolitical risk of investing in, in, in companies that have assets in, in external to Australia. Um, great chart, bottom left, top right. It's one of my most tweeted about charts. Um, I went back and looked at uh, at my um, my Twitter history there. This is this is the one I've tweeted about the most over the last 18 months and for great reasons. So I think if you're on it, hang on to it. If you're not in it, certainly happy to take a nibble now. Um, the other one is Evolution Mining. Uh, I know it's very popular among viewers. I covered it not that long ago, I think, in uh, Macro Micro Crypto as a buy. 
uh, and I'm happy to reiterate that today. But this one, more of a turnaround place. You can see my long-term downtrend is being challenged. And uh, through that traffic light system, we're starting to change that model. And because of the short-term uh, uptrend and the strength of that, I'm, I'm uh, able, based upon my model, to go a buy on this one. So again, if you've got mm. it, hang on to it. If you don't, happy to add some risk here. All right, there's a couple to take a look at. Michael, if you're in that mm. sector, then where are you looking? Um, I also like Evolution, we're buying more of that um, today on, on the, the upside break, uh, the $3 upside break um, for our clients today. I've got, I've got the chart here, I've, I've shown this on uh, on the trade, I think it was a few weeks or so ago. Um, what I like about the way this has been moving is the, you know, the moves up very impulsive, then it, it consolidates sideways um, to absorb that move without pulling back too much and then it gets going again. So it's sort of stepping up quite nicely, which is what I'm indicating there with the blue lines. But look, in terms of gold overall, um, uh, it sounds like my views have been pretty similar to, to Carl's. I mean, I've not been a gold bull at all. Um, I've been actually quite bearish gold for a while. I've, I've, you know, I've referred to gold as being not a hedge against anything except making you money. It's just gone down. Um, and we, we could see that this year. I mean, you know, holding gold in a risk off environment um, when rates are going up, it just we could see that just doesn't work. Mm. When gold usually works, and I mean a lot of the correlations have sort of broken down a little bit over the last few years, but you've normally got that inverse correlation with the US dollar. So the last time we had a very big trade on gold for our clients was at the start, sort of end of 2018, start of 2019, um, was the last time we saw a big, big move down US dollar. Um, I think the likes of Newcrest were up about 50% over the course of that year. We've stayed away from from gold, I don't think it's, again, to reiterate, it's not one of those things that, that you need to have in a portfolio. If it's not going up, you don't need to hold it, but now's the time, it's time to get back on. The gold, mm. gold price is going up. We've got a US dollar that arguably has peaked after a, a, a fantastic rally. Um, so most likely we get a move higher in gold. I don't know how long it will last. Maybe these <coughs> gold trades will only last a few months, it could be six months. You know, we just have to go with the flow. But at the moment, the trends are looking strong and it is it is one of the strongest sectors out there. Gold also intersects with copper. And we're hearing constantly uh, recently that uh, copper is uh, heading higher. Uh, tax, mm. uh, you know, people moving from lithium into into copper stocks at the moment. Would yep. you agree? Is that because uh, quite yeah. often, you know, with those stocks, you'll get both? Yeah, I like um, I think copper's got a good year ahead of it. Um, you know, basically, we've had a pullback in price. The price seems to be coming back up. Um, demand should increase. As we know, it's very well correlated to, to economic activity. So, mm. yes, we're you know, heading into recession, in a recession, whatever you want to call it. But we're looking beyond the, the dip, say, in the first quarter of this year uh, and the recovery phase. So, if, you know, I think the big trade here over the next few months is looking to go long these sorts of um, these sorts of commodities. So copper should improve with um, with economic growth. Um, supply is quite low, um, and that's starting to come out um, a, a lot more in in the financial press. There's there's more recognition now that supply has been low because of underinvestment in you know not only copper but a lot of commodities have had a lot of un, you know, underinvestment over the last few years. So I think you know the Aussie market will be a great place to be in the next few years because we've got a lot of these metals which yep. which should do well. So for you know in terms of a trading environment should be good. I mean you mentioned lithium, um, you know it's it's sort of the 
been the topic of the year and, and as usual it's it's sort of maybe overshot on the downside but that'll have its time again. All right well that's um, that is our commodity of the day. Let's get into it before we fall behind in time. And uh, the first stock as picked by you, we're going to stay in resources essentially with Alpha HPA. Now the HPA stands for High Purity Alumina. Um, Michael, it is uh, what the, they're calling the transition to decarbonizing technology using this, uh, this product essentially, which is also used with lithium ion batteries. I don't know much about this one. What uh, yeah. what have you found? Yeah, I had, to, I had to do a bit of reading and then reread and then reread yeah, again to yeah. understand what it what it is they they actually <coughs> do. But it looks like, you know, you've got you've got these coatings for whether it's battery anodes or, um, you know, other surfaces. Uh, it's very they're just reaching commercialisation now. So, um, you know, they've and the share price reflects the fact that it's you know it's spent a period of time getting to this stage and now it's really starting to to take off to reflect the fact that um, you know they are reaching uh, commercialization so look it looks it does look like an interesting technology and I think the fact that they should be making money soon is a positive it has had the big run-up on on this sort of news and um, and I mean Carl might echo my thoughts just the way it's traded in the last couple of days you know it's been quite a bit of volatility on the on the downside there so I think that you know this in terms of share price action probably needs to settle a bit more um, but I'd be looking for for an entry point but maybe not just yet okay all right so you're watching it essentially Carl what do you think of Alpha HPA yeah well, look I like what they're doing so they're just about to go into production that's always nice because we have a lot of these uh, big picture you know blue sky sorts of stocks that are kicking over rocks in the desert and their market caps go from a few million to a few hundred million overnight uh, when they might find something but there's such a long time so much needs to be done so much money needs to be invested uh, until you get from finding that having that initial discovery and they're getting into production so these guys are in production in gladstone they're literally commissioning the plant right now it's a stage one there's a massive massive ramp up to stage two but that is only at really at sort of dfs a definitive feasibility stage so we're waiting for a final investment decision on that they will need to sign some binding offtake agreements i think that's the key factor going forward so if you start to see those words popping up in their announcements binding offtake agreements that's when you could get another push up in the price. Uh, so there's potentially some really good news flow for this coming in probably early 2023. I would hold on to it. I think keep an eye on it. Uh, if, uh, if you don't have it, uh, it could be a prospective buy down the track. If you've got it, I think there's enough in the chart to hang on to it. The only reason why I'm not saying run out and buy it right now, and again, it would only be a purely speculative play, uh, is as Michael says, there's there's been a bit of downside volatility over the last few trading sessions after it's made a new high never a great look we want to see things pushed to new highs and really just hold and hang up there um, it's telling you that the market's happy with these new prices uh, and there's plenty of demand still in the system so it's a wait it's a watch as i said happy to hold it and then you know it, it's something i would happily buy if it started to push back towards say 72 73 cents again all right okay let's move on to bass oil peter wanted to know about this um and look, it is an oil producer. Recently announced it identified a gas discovery uh, at its permit in South Australia's Cooper Basin. And of course, we know where these, uh, these energy prices, oil and gas, have gone. Um, 
Carl, what are you seeing with Bass Oil at the moment? Uh, it's, it's a real minnow, this one. Market mm. cap, 18 million. So it's down the bottom end of the uh, market cap spectrum. But they are producing, funnily enough, they do have some production out of Indonesia and more recently they've got into the Cooper Basin. So the goal there is to supply sort of East Coast uh, gas. Uh, they have bought some tenements off Beach and Cooper Energy and have had some success in getting those into production to replace the Indonesian production, which is on the way down from those declining fields uh, with this new production. But it is a, a very, very small producer. So order of magnitude of, you know, a few hundred barrels a day out of Indonesia. And they're up to 100 barrels a day out of uh, the, the Cooper Basin. So, uh, yeah, it's probably not one that I think... Uh, is has a great future, and I have to be careful with what I say here. They just in terms of uh, replacing the, the the lost production, but they did have a big hit. So they they um, uh, there's there's a project they've got next to where Santos is doing quite a bit of work called PEL 182, and that's the reason. So if we got to get the chart up. Uh, there was a massive, massive spike there back in November, uh, and that was the announcement of this uh, res this uh, reserve, which is 21 trillion cubic feet, and that is that is substantial. So everybody's been talking about Warrego Energy and strike over mm. the last uh, few weeks. So to put it into perspective, that's West Aragala and the Perth Basin over here is what what we're talking about. So that's order of magnitude of uh, sort of uh, two trillion cubic feet. So this is potentially 10 times bigger than that. Um, so that's the excitement. Look, I don't think they'll do a lot with that because I think they're going to farm it out to Santos and let Santos um, do all the work there. But the market is now kind of um, hanging and waiting on further announcements to that effect and then what that uh, the value that that can bring in for shareholders. So uh, sort of long term operational stuff. Um, it's not that interesting for me for the yep. reasons I've discussed, but there could be some sort of uh, arbitrage opportunity here based upon the recent announcement. I can go hold based upon the charts, a bit like the uh, Alpha HBA, or, although I think Alpha HBA is certainly a far better longer term prospect if you uh, for your speculative money, but hold if you've got it. It's not a buy if you don't. Okay, Michael. Um, yeah, look, Carl covered it well um, in terms of what they're up to. I, yeah, I think it's not, you know, not, not a buy. I mean, I, I wouldn't even... Beholding, to be honest, just just based on on the way it's traded since that um, since that move up in November. I mean, when I look at the trading range of sort of five cents to eight cents and, and anywhere in between, it's a bit bit too um, bit too volatile and exciting for mm. for my liking. And um, you know, luckily again in the Aussie market, we've got so many oil producers that we can. Yeah, is it, I mean, is it, on that front, is it too small? Is it too illiquid for you? Um, it is. I mean, at an eighteen million dollar market cap. It, you know, apart from that that one particular day where it shot up, mm. um, it just doesn't look like there's you know, enough liquidity to to get set. And you know, it works both ways. Of course, when there's not much liquidity and it's moving the right way, you can make oversized gains. But trying to get out, if um, you know, if they turn up with an announcement that the market doesn't like, then you know, you could easily be down sort of twenty, thirty percent. Okay. So what are you doing it's with a, it? It's a no. I'll, I'll just a yeah, and you're avoiding it at the moment. Avoiding it. Yep. Okay. All right, let's move on to Eris Resources. We're back into copper gold. Uh, Malcolm wanted to know about this. Can you please comment on it and the outlook for copper, which we sort of touched on there with, with Michael. Um, it, uh, in fact, does last results there, uh, lower production volumes and metal grades, higher production costs. So it's a bottom line, it's profit after tax dropping some 90% in fact. Um, there's also, 
uh, Michael, some speculation that it uh, was going to buy Aurelia Metals, which has um, actually fallen substantially over the past uh, 12 months. So um, how do you view Eris? Um, yeah, we've you know discussed copper gold, um, sort of bullish on that. But I guess this is an example of, um, you know, you can have a view on gold, but doesn't mean all gold stocks um, are going to go up because at the end of the day, they're stocks, they're companies, they've got their issues, some have issues, some some don't. Um, I mean, this chart, uh, I, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's shot up there in June. I think maybe there was a, a share consolidation that might make it look a little bit, a bit different. But, but um, you know, as, as you mentioned, Andrew, there's, you know, their most recent results, they're seeing lower grades, they've got higher costs, their earnings have been revised lower. Um, you know, let's not make it hard for yourself. I think if you if you've got the bullish view on gold, and this is, I, you know, this is the right time to be making money in gold stocks. You don't need to be making it hard for yourself investing in something that's that's going through a rough patch. So I'd, I'd be avoiding this one. Yep. Okay. Easier pickings then in the sector. Carl, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that, look, it's a very small gold producer. So about 53,000, 54,000 ounces in FY22. So that is uh, not even on the, you know, it's below small even in terms of their gold production. So it's mainly a copper game. They're producing sort of uh, 57 to 71 based upon FY23 guidance, uh, kilotons of copper. To put it into perspective, Oz Minerals is about double that. Sandfire is uh, probably about, you know, 20 to 30% more than that. So just to give you perspective in terms of copper producers on the ASX, I think it'll, it'll become more prominent as Oz Minerals comes off the board because it's swallowed by BHP. So it might get a little bit of attention there. It also might get some attention from the fact that everybody's talking about copper being the next lithium. I mean, nothing you know helps inflate, inflate stock prices than a, a good little bit of hype, Andrew. Um, so that can probably help it. Look, if they, if they can meet their production targets, um, we're talking about tripling uh, their copper production, uh, then the financials will start to look very, very good. I don't think it's very expensive. I think we're probably talking about five times, uh, five and a half times FY23 earnings. The chart's starting to turn up, but not look fantastic. So look, I can certainly get to a hold here. It's one I could happily buy if the hype around copper starts to build in 2023 and it starts to push up back maybe through 60 cents. But it is one we do regularly cover on Tuesdays in my um, webinars. So maybe, you know, just sort of stay tuned to that and, uh, you know, we, we may well get a buy. So hold for now and a buy contingent on the price action improving. Okay, all right. Well, let's stay in that, uh, that area there with our next pick, which is Tito Minerals. Um, in fact, it's focused on developing uh, a gold project in Cote d'Ivoire in uh, West Africa. And it's actually said it's on track for its first gold production um, this month in December. So um, I, don't, I don't have an update on that. Carl, um, do you know what's going on? Yeah, no, that's right. They're pro literally processing the gold. So mm. we, we're gonna get the gold bars. So the plant's up, up and running there. So again, another um, example of a company that's gone through that, you know, five, sometimes 10 year process from discovery to mine. So that's that's the big um, plus here. And uh, we, I said uh, that 
Um, Eris is you know, mining about 50,000 ounces of gold, which puts it below, um, you know, small. Uh, these, these are probably just, these, these guys are bottom level of mid-tier. So about 250 to 300,000 ounces of gold are uh, all going well. Look, I, I don't mind it. It's something, uh, again, I think markets, uh, clients have done well out of. It's very popular over here. It's been covered, again, many times in those Tuesday webinars. We have talked a little bit about taking a bit of profit up here, though. Um, just in terms of its valuation, it's starting to get uh, uncomfortably close to its net uh, present value for this project. So net present value, is, I think, is about 1.4 billion. It's currently currently around about sort of you know two thirds to 75 percent of that, which is pretty typical when you sort of get to production. Um, and the rest is execution risk. So on the basis that I think the valuation's pretty full, the chart's just losing a bit of momentum to the upside. I'm going to call this one a trim. It's not a sell. It, it, it is take some profits off the table, and then I'm a happy holder of the balance of that. So we usually use sort of a one third, one third, one third rule. So probably trimming about a third of uh, the position here, and happily hanging on to the other two thirds because the overall trends, the long term trends, are still very good. Mm, okay, interesting, Michael. Um, yeah, look, uh, in terms of you know coming into production, that's that's good. They're not you know very small like some of the others still drilling holes. So. Yeah, it's it's enough to get it onto the radar, um, but just to you know, in terms of trying to find an entry point, um, it does look like it's it's sort of hitting the sort of hitting those top levels there. We had a bit of a reversal there in November. Tried to tried to recover and has um, sort of taken out those um, those lows from in November. So overall, the chart is as as sort of Carl mentioned, looking a bit bit weak here. So I think it's worth. Worth looking at as a buy, um, but it's too early for a buy. I think you can get it at better levels. All right. So too early, essentially. Okay, well, let's uh, move on to something completely different. We're moving out of resources. Uh, let's get into Bell Financial Group. Carlo wanting to know about this, saying it does pay a really good dividend, but its share price is near its 12-month lows. Um, Michael, this is what investment financial advisory uh, to both institutional corporate clients uh, owns Bell Potter. Um, how do you look at Bell Financial at the moment? Um, I mean, this is a yeah, classic case of you know the company does well when markets do well mm. because of volumes. Um, if we have a look at its share price performance over the last five years, we could see. You know, as as we know, after COVID, a lot of lot of volumes going through the market. Um, a lot of lot of trading, um, and as we could see, it, it rallied quite quite strongly there at the end of 2020, um, and it's traded almost as high as, as two dollars. But as as you'd appreciate, this year not a great year for markets. Um, less trading by by investors. The advisors there are probably finding it tougher to um, to get the turnover. So that's reflected in the share price. Um, interesting to note the the viewer mentioned um, uh, the dividend. Um, again, investing for dividends is can be very dangerous because a lot of investors, unfortunately, ignore what happens to the capital. And in the case of Bell Financial, you've had a share price that's fallen from about two dollars to a dollar. So, you know, most of the way down, if you bought anywhere there, you've, mm. you've lost more than whatever dividend you're going to get. So, look, can it turn around from here? I think that's just very much dependent on on basically share markets, really. So, if the next few months are still quite uncertain. Uh, and it's hard for, for for clients or investors to open their wallets and get trading again. Then that that will be reflected in, um, you know, in the in in their earnings and the share price performance. So, 
Um, the only other thing I'd note is it only averages about $100,000 of, of shares a day. So even if you were to dabble in this, you know, you'd have to be buying small amounts just again to make sure you've got the liquidity to do what you need to do. All right. So, you so it's a no for now. Yeah. Okay. Carl. Yeah, it looked pretty similar to Michael uh, activity, but they own Bell Direct as well, which is one of the, mm. the you know, big discount brokers going around at the moment. And yeah, we look, hey, when COVID was about, we're all stuck at home. Uh, you know, we we're punting our brains out on uh, every little lithium stock or battery metal stock that was going around at the time. And, you know, activities died down. The other thing, of course, if, if lithium comes off the boil, then uh, and all those chat rooms go quiet, that could be another uh, uh, next leg of downside for them. But they do more than that. Um, they also do a bunch of margin lending. That's going to slow down when interest rates go up. Uh, white label services for the likes of Macquarie, HSBC. Again, it's all about markets and market activity and confidence in markets. And when confidence in markets is uh, heading down, unfortunately for these guys, their earnings are going to take a hit. Uh, so I'm not very bullish into 2023 because I do think the market markets can and will probably struggle in 2023. I haven't really talked about why, but I think China is probably uh, one of the big shadows on the horizon there and what's going on with uh, their, their COVID situation. So I do think that uh, if it all goes sour there and just think about managing, you know, what a few hundred million people with COVID is going to do uh, and what that does to global supply chains, what that does to exporting um, new waves and new variants, what it does to exporting inflation and just mucking mm. up the whole recovery. Um, that's interesting, Carl, miss- because that sort of runs contrary <laughs> to a lot of the contrary we're hearing at the moment in that, you know, we've got Australia's um, uh, Foreign Minister, she's over there at the moment, Penny Wong, is speaking to the Chinese, which is seen as positive, particularly for those uh, those Chinese facing stocks uh, here. Uh, but also, you know, the flip side of that was that, well, we're going to see a reopening, but you're saying perhaps we, the, no, everyone's getting too far ahead of themselves. No, 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 way too far. Oh, look, yeah. look how, long, how long did it take us to get over our COVID bump? So, you know, two thirds of Australians, it's an actual stat, about 65% got COVID. Okay, we're 26 million people. Whoop-de-doo. What if, what if two-thirds of Chinese people get COVID? We're talking about hundreds of mm. millions of people. And it's tragic, and it's tragic. I don't want to make light of this by trying to draw it back to how you make or don't, don't lose money. But at the end of the day, uh, workers are going to get sick. So how do you produce stuff? And if China it is still you know, largely the production engine of the world, if you thought you were waiting 16 weeks for your Nick Scarly sofa, you're going to be waiting more than that. Uh, when nothing's getting produced. And then that just, it it will have ramifications for supply chains around the world. And then you're gonna get another burst of inflation. The only thing that might save us this time is demand is not gonna be as strong. uh, And maybe you won't get that sort of, uh, that that big, big push there. Anyway, I've depressed the hell out of viewers enough. These are just theories and theories are like something that everybody has, everybody's sitting on right now, Um, everybody's got one. So let us keep moving because we're talking about Bell Financial. I'm not sure how we got there, but anyway, yeah, Bell. (laughs) Let me... Let me say it was an interesting conversation. Uh, let me just say, look, um, the, the, the whole point was about dividends and how it's got a great dividend yield. They've, they're, they're reducing their dividends. So you, you can't look at a historical dividend yield and say, well, that's what I'm getting. No, they've, they've cut their dividend in half on the interim dividend. If they do that again on their full year dividend, you're not getting 9% per annum. You're probably getting half that. So you, you can stop looking in, in the past. You've, you need to look forward. Uh, and I would not be buying this one. The chart says sell. Sell. All right. Okay for the above reasons. All right, let's uh, summarize where we've been uh, for the first half of the show. Uh, we begin with our commodity of the day, gold, because those, uh, those stocks are certainly off the races uh, today. And uh, 
taking a look at, um, at both both uh, fairly bullish on uh, gold. Uh, both have been very negative uh, to date, certainly over the course of the year. Um, and Carl, he's got a buy on evolution, but also on Capricorn metals. And Michael, also a buy on evolution. All right, into the stocks as picked by you, uh, Alpha HPA, which is in that high purity alumina. Uh, Michael, not yet. He's saying he's watching it to see where it's going at the moment, uh, but certainly the uh, technology is impressive as agreed by Carl. And uh, he said, you need to look for those non-binding agreements, essentially, then you'll get into it. But he's got to hold on at the moment. Bass Oil, a hold from Carl, a no from Michael. Uh, Eris Resources, uh, no from Michael, saying there, look, you just talked about gold and copper, and he said there are far better options available at the moment. Uh, and uh, Carl essentially has a hold on it. Tito Minerals, in a similar space, it's in West Africa. Uh, Carl's actually trimming, he's taking some profits at the moment, and uh, Michael's saying it's looking a little toppy, you're saying it's, but it's, uh, it's too early at this point. And finally there, Bell Financial, a no from Michael, a definitive sell from Carl. All right, and of course we are tracking our own high conviction fund here at uh, the call, picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the update into December and into the new year, Batcore and Domino's were removed and Imdex and Janison Education were added to the portfolio, and Elders weighting was increased. So in terms of performance uh, thus far, it's up close to 4% on the cumulative return basis since it, uh, we began at the beginning of March. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. My pick for 2023 is WeBit Nano, the non-volatile uh, memory technology developer. Non-volatile memory is just memory that uh, holds its data even after the power is turned off. And WeBit's uh, innovation, ReRAM, has gone through, uh, well, have done all the hard yards. They've gone through the, uh, the development and qualification stages and looking to get into production of their wafers in 2023. So looking to make that uh, big jump uh, to finally getting some revenue in the door. Um, the technology itself is uh, it's faster, it's longer lasting, and more energy efficient than the current alternatives. But the real reason I like WeBit, of course, is the chart. Uh, the chart has been a bit of a roller coaster ride as WeBit has gone through that development qualification stage, but now as they're on the verge of production, we'd see the chart turning up, both the short and long-term trends are turning higher, the all-important price action back to higher peaks and higher troughs, indicating that demand is building and supply is diminishing, and the all-important candlesticks turning back to the demand side, so white candles and long lower shadows. It is a chart I do like very much and therefore I'm rating Weebit Nano a speculative buy. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. 
Coming up in January, the call super buy. All your favorite experts, one super buy. If an expert really loves a stock, all they have to scream is super buy. And it will go straight to the investment committee. All of January, exclusive to the call. Only on Ausbiz. All right, uh, welcome back. Let's uh, get into the second half of the show. We will be looking at Misoplast, Good Drinks, Australia, Pointera, Race Oncology, and Webjet. All right, so in the Misoplast, it is uh, in the med tech space, a regenerative uh, medicine company uh, looking to provide treatment for uh, inflammatory uh, ailments, cardiovascular disease, in fact, uh, saying Carlos saying it's a stock I find hard to get a handle on it went up over four dollars during the early days of COVID but it's currently below one dollar so Michael Mesoblast Medtech I mean it is a difficult area isn't it in which to invest it is and I've just found over the years Mesoblast has been just one of the worst stocks to (laughs) invest in just so unreliable I mean, just over the years, they just seem to be raising money every five minutes and the share price takes a hit. And uh, I, I just I just think stay away. It's just way too hard, way too hard. I mean, every that, now does then, that apply to medtech in general, where a lot of it is sort of these binary outcomes that either works um, or it doesn't? Look, I, I do tend to avoid medtech um, for those reasons. There's some fantastic businesses out there, but just the track record of Mesoblast, I'd like someone to, to, to show me why I'm wrong, but if I look back at the last 15 years at their record at, at raising money and, um, and making any sort of progress, yeah, I just, I just think it's, uh, it's y- y- yeah, you really, you really got your, your back against the wall with this one. And I mean, every now and then I, I look at it and, uh, and sometimes I see these potential trading setups and then I just think, well, I'll, I could just see myself buying it and three days later they're back in a trading halt and I think so. I think right. I, I just think it's any kind of trap. Um, yeah. It might sound harsh, but yeah, just just look at what it's done. Yep. Um, you know, the last 15 years. All right. I'm taking that as an avoid then. Carl, do you agree? Uh, let me say just in the break, obviously, with my uh, pick there, that's that's way too much me. I know my mum watches every show that I'm on and I think she's even going to agree that's that's too much. Yeah, it is a Carl overdose. Nonetheless, we're getting our money's worth, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I'm waiting for my re, uh, big red button uh, in the mail uh, for for the super buy, so I can <laughs> so hit the, the super buy. Don't button encourage Koshi, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Mesoblast, and look, the reason why it, it went so well in COVID is they were uh, going to do this joint venture with Novartis for a COVID drug. It fell over. Um, uh, Novartis pulled out. They couldn't see the efficacy there. So they went back to the, their knitting, which over the years in the history of Misoblast has changed. But what they're doing now is this uh, anti-inflammatory um, drug slash treatment, a REMA stem cell, if I've got it right. It's very hard to say. I'm not a product expert, so I'm not going to purport to be one. But it does have some um, potential, uh, well, they're in phase three trials, so it's not like they just figured this out. They're hopefully getting to the point where they can register these drugs with the FDA and have them being used in some very, very important um, applications. One to do with uh, children with uh, acute graft 
versus host disease. And I had to look at my notes to say that one. So look, hopefully uh, it all goes well for them. Hopefully they start to make some money. They'll need to do it fairly quickly because what Misoblast is best at doing is not commercialising products, it is burning cash. And they earn cash to the order of magnitude of 60 odd million dollars a year. Then they have to go back cap in hand to the market to raise more money. So look, face this, this uh, last one maybe 2023 could be the year that's the, that's sort of the, how they're tracking that hopefully sometime in even in the first half they could get that fda approval they're going backwards and forwards with the fda to try and get that i'm not sure if that's going to be the step change that completely gets them into cash flow positive i'd have to see the 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 the, the numbers around that, which they haven't supplied as far as I can tell. So without those numbers, I can't exactly say, well, this is the year they're gonna to start to make money. Um, the brokers, some of the brokers, and there's only four covering it, so some of them can be sort of the converted ones that are really, well, they can either be really into it or they'd be really optimistic is what I find when you've got just a few brokers covering. They're sort of saying FY24, FY25 for profitability. I just think there's too much execution risk and too many risks to get there. So I know I've, I've got a long time on this one, but I, I, I just don't think you, I don't think you can completely discount it and say, oh, look, um, biotechs, uh, you know, clinical stage biotechs are too hard. I, I think you need to... Um, sort of uh, roll with them, keep an eye on them. The chart is the best way to look at them in, in all cases. And if the momentum comes, it's because all those people with the technical expertise are seeing the benefit. They're, they're saying, okay, it's now. So I think if the chart turns up, and I'm gonna give you a number, let's say if it closes above 120, that's when I'd be happy to get involved. I can't give it a buy hold sell. The, the chart's sort of nothing right now, and for all the reasons I said on the on the fundamental side, I'm just I'm, it's not a hold. It's just an avoid. And 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 if you're interested in it, above 120 is where you start to get involved. Okay. All right. At least you're giving us a, an entry point there. Uh, sounds like forever promising, failing to deliver though. As it is, far yeah. as Miso Blast so is concerned. Yeah, okay. All right, let's move on to, well, we need a drink after that. Uh, so we're going to Good Drinks Australia. And Carl, this is pretty much over your way because they, uh, an independent brewer, um, a lot of beer brands there, Gage Roads, um, yep. Matso's, Broom Brewery, Atomic Beer, Hello Sunshine. Uh, it's also oh, done a deal Andrew. with Molson. Oh, you, you had me at you had me at Matson's. <laughs> it's also done a deal with Molson Coors out of, out of North America too. All right, um, Carl, what are you seeing here? Uh, look, uh, I'm a customer. They just sold their one millionth uh, carton of single fin, uh, which is my my favourite beer, coincidentally. So I've, I've definitely knocked off a few of those for them. Uh, if you've been to Optus Stadium, it's the beer on tap uh, that, that you will get there. And it is, it is a great drop. And they've got a bunch of other great drops. But you know, at the end of the day, there needs to be a business case, doesn't it? It can't be just, well, Carl's their biggest customer as the reason to buy it. Um, but I do think uh, they've got a, a, a solid business there. It's growing. It's growing rapidly. Um, they're outperforming their, you know, the, the big incumbents like your Lions, your Diageos in terms of uh, growth, particularly on the craft beer side, which is their strength. It's their forte. Look, I think it's a fairly defensive sector. You know, economies uh, grow, economies shrink. We keep drinking beer, or at least I do anyway. So lots of luck in the business. I think it's super, super, super cheap. I know it's showing a PE of, a, of around about 40, which seems expensive now, but there's so much growth in the business. That's gonna come down to about 12 by uh, FY25. And I get there's execution risk there, but I've talked about it. I think it being a fairly defensive company. So tick, 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 love it, love the products like the financials, like the valuation, 
I think it's worth, and it's it's it, it's crazy, but I think it's worth north of a dollar here, which is, you know, it, it's 50% at least undervalued mm. and you might well that's it carl's going to call carl's about to call this a buy and i'm not because the chart looks awful so what i like to do is I like to find a company i like the story i like the valuation and when the chart starts to look good that's when i will entertain buying it and not until then i can normally i would look at a chart like that and i would say sell like crazy because it looks completely terrible but I'm going to go hold on the basis that I do like the business, I do like the financials, and that's breaking my rules a little bit, but it, I cannot call that a buy. It would need to push into the high 70s mm. with the right candles, the right price action for me to upgrade it to buy. And again, people might say, hey, if you think it's so great, just buy it at 66. Why would you wait for it to get to 76? Well, yeah. because I need the market to agree with me. That's the only way you can make money is if the market is agreeing with you and is there, it's got your back and it's pushing prices up. Until then, stay out. Sounds as though you've been drinking the Kool-Aid over there, Carl, with good well, drinks. But, single uh, thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or their version of it. No, no, not going there, given the history of um, Kool-Aid. Uh, okay, Michael, your thoughts. Um, are you, are yep, you a so customer? In terms of, oh, I'm sure I, I drink all sorts of right, things, so okay. I'm sure they've, they've crossed their path. Um, yeah, look, I think, you know, in terms of what they've done with the business and the growth and they're um, growing into venues as well, you know, ticking all the boxes. Carl's mentioned all the positives. Um, I think the problem with this business recently has been um, typical of, of any any business that um, that puts something together and has to sell it, and that's, that's issues with margins. So the inflationary side, um, staff, uh, um, you know, the raw materials, that's... You know that is hurting them, but that but that will ease at some point, um, and provided there's no other um, sort of left of field events with the company, then they should should be able to to turn around. So at this stage, because of the downtrend, I couldn't be buying it or, or holding it. I, as as Carl mentioned, I'd like to see it turn back up. Um, hopefully that you know that coincides with um, um, with their margins improving. Mm. Um, but even then, the final thing I'll need to look at is the sorts of liquidity. So again, unfortunately, we've got a stock here that, um, you know, the business might be great, but if it's only trading, it looks like about $20,000 worth a day. And sometimes the daily ranges, uh, you know, we're talking movements of about several percent because of that. Um, again, that, that sort of impedes your ability to, to make a profit if, um, again, they come out with a bad announcement and everyone's mm. heading for the exit. So. I think provided that liquidity can come into the stock and for some reason it becomes you know, well-traded, then I think it's a good business to, to keep an eye on. Okay, so you're watching it at this point. Um, a beer <coughs> company that's illiquid. Um, that's, that sounds like a warning sign to me. All right, okay. Let's uh, move on to Pointera. And uh, hang on, I'm just catching up with... Uh, we don't have a name on this, but anyway, uh, we'll get into it anyway. It is a 3D geospatial uh, data uh, tech company. Uh, so got to focus on US contracts there, particularly with utilities. So Michael, essentially what mm. this is, um, well, they, they take photos and other sort of data of power poles and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then um, that allows these utilities to keep a track of damage and wear and tear and so on. Yeah, they could take these sort of 3D images or maps and you can put it into their system and it, it sort of analyzes it for you. I mean, it sounds sounds fantastic, um, but, you know, there's always there's always a button, fortunately. Um, 
you know, this share price, if we were to pull up, say, a, a chart going back at least a few years, it's it basic as you could see, it's it's mimicking most other tech stocks. So, you know, this year the the fashionable stocks, uh, lithium, I suppose, last year was buy now pay later, and the year before that was software as a service. And I think these guys refer to their products as data as a service or whatever. But essentially, you know, it had that massive run up in 2020 because any any business that um, that that you know uses the cloud and and can keep costs really low, but have a massive amount of customers come on board mm. was was extremely popular in a in a world when interest rates were were zero. So, um, you know, it may be unfair that you know interest rates has nothing to do with this business, but it is affecting its valuation because they're not making a a profit essentially. Mm. So, the appetite at the moment for businesses that um, that have traded on a high PE haven't turned a profit. With rising interest rates, there's just yeah, just no appetite for those sorts of businesses. So, look, it is in quite a clearly defined downtrend. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the business looks looks really good. It's just a case now of waiting for the valuation to get to an acceptable level that the market wants to start buying it again. I don't know when that will be. Unfortunately, I mean, if we if we take a very rough guess and say, okay, well, a lot of these tech stocks have fallen all the way back to their pre-COVID lows, then for this stock, you're looking at um, you know, maybe even sort of five cents, and at the moment it's twenty cents. So just when right. you think, well, surely it can't get any lower. Yeah, um, you could even potentially lose another mm. fifty to seventy-five percent of your dough. Yeah, if it um, if you buy it here and it goes to the pre-COVID lows. So look, one one to keep an eye on, but right. I don't see it turning around anytime soon because of the the interest rate headwinds. Yeah. Okay, Carl. Yeah, look, just super quick on uh, good drinks. One of their biggest cost inputs was aluminium. So aluminium prices have, have crashed uh, yeah. since since the, the peak. So that's going to help them. Uh, and shipping. So that's that's also good. I think I think they've just been lumped in the basket with the um, the, the the margin uh, compression companies. And I think that might surprise the upside. Anyway, Portera okay. is another. Is the segue is I like I like a GDA. I think it's a great business and the valuation looks good. I like Pontera. I think there's a great business there. We mentioned um, the the power pole. So effectively, you're taking uh, like an old picture and a new picture. And after, for example, Hurricane Ian, that went through obviously you know southeast USA, uh, somebody like Florida Power, who is one of their biggest uh, customers will look at the old power pole picture and the new power pole picture and say, well, what's changed? Um, and there's some AI in the mix uh, that Pointera has that mm. will help them do that. Uh, and they identified something like 1,100 uh, power poles that needed to be uh, maintained, serviced, replaced as a result of that. So just give you a scope of, of, of some of the things they're doing. And they've got a bunch of big utility uh, companies in the US. There's about 10 or 12 of them that are using them now, and that's uh, growing. And the, the problem is they've been putting them on, and there's a lot of startups. So you need to upload a lot of data to start off with, and you're not really uh, getting that uh, feedback on the revenue from the usage for a while. So that's, but that's going to come. That's going to come in 2023, 2024. So um, look, and that's just part of what they do. They obviously uh, mining, uh, civil, construction. There's so many applications. Basically, if you've got a a bit of infrastructure you need maintained this is the standard uh, so great business but then you need you can have the best ideas but you can't commercialize them so you need to make the financials work and the financials are starting to work so that um, that move that Michael was talking about in 2021 that was silly that was a, um, a bunch of chat rooms people getting excited uh, Nasdaq was going bananas and then it's very simple the bubble just burst and you go from the people who bought in early 
just taking profits, getting out, they don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got in at five cents, whether they get out at 90 cents or 85 cents, they don't care. And the people who got in late, they're just taking their losses. Um, it was trading about 100 times enterprise value to revenue. It's now trading at about 15, which I think is starting to look really interesting. So again, Carl, Carl, Carl likes it. I'm talking about myself in the third person now. I like it, but I can't buy it because the chart's terrible. So it's just a matter now. I'm, it's on my radar. I'm going to keep an eye on it. And if it starts to push up, starts to do the right things, I'm happy to, to add this one to the portfolio because yep. I do think there's a really great business there. Okay. All right. We better pick up the pace. Got two to go. Uh, we're going into race oncology. Uh, Aaron wanting about this. It is advancing its trial of its drug Xantrine, which uh, is essentially used for use in cardio protection of breast cancer patients. Um, and also recently changed at the top. Uh, it's uh, appointed uh, Damien Clark Bruce as MD and CEO effective mm-hmm. as of February. Carl, race. Mm. Look a little bit like me, so Bas. What a, what a, um, I don't know, Jack, the producer, He's compiled an amazing uh, group of stocks today. So well done, Jack. They're super interesting. Uh, Mesoblast is phase three trials. Phase three, back and forth with the FDA to get this thing approved. These guys are clinical trials, pre-clinical in some cases, but clinical trials phase ones, a couple in phase two. So they're much earlier down the track. And I haven't even talked about what they do but it kind of doesn't matter with these biotechs. They've all got something that's really interesting that they need to get to the point where they can sell it. For these guys, it's a it's a cancer uh, treatment, both in terms of it uh, inhibiting the growth of particular cancers because it targets a, a particular, um, uh, what's the FTO, particular protein. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, if you're getting chemo for something like breast cancer, uh, some of the side effects are significant damage to your heart. And uh, this drug, uh, one of the applications is it can actually um, prevent some of that damage as well to help and to not only uh, allow the chemo to take place at higher doses, but to also make the chemo more effective. So let us hope, let us hope they nail this thing and, and it has some actual applications. It'd be great for the human race, but you need to invest on it, invest in it. There's no money coming in. There won't be any money coming in for the foreseeable future. So it's not, not like me so bust where, where it could be making money in a couple of years. This could be four, five, years it could be never and that's that's the prospect so again i would defer to the chart the chart is where the people who understand these things who are technical experts i'm not a technical expert but the people who understand these things go and buy and sell that's the coalface if there are more technical experts people who believe the story buying and at the same time people who own the stock holding on the chart is going to go up and that's where i'll get involved i'd be looking at something in fact i'm not going to give you a number the chart looks pretty awful right now so i'm going to go sell um, but yeah, it, it, plenty would have to go right, both in the fundamentals and the technicals to call it a buy. Yeah, well, of course you would hope, as you say, for the interests of humankind, that it does come off. Michael? Um, yeah, look, Carl covered it well. So um, I just think that, yeah, the outcomes can be very binary. We need to wait for the news flow. And at the moment, uh, you know, after some positive um, announcements, it is it is getting sold into. So, you know, not the best looking chart, but mm. um, yeah, look for, you know, for the moment, I'd be staying away. Okay, all right. Let's uh, wrap it up and go travelling. Uh, we are that time of year, of course, where you want to go on holiday. So Webjet is our stock and uh, its most recent earnings. Uh, beat market expectations there, but I guess it's a question of what's going on in the future rather than looking backwards. And Michael, Webjet, how are mm. you feeling about this sector at the moment, and in particular uh, Webjet, given, I guess, where the economy is going at the moment? Yep. Yeah, look, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I was going to talk about 
you know, the fact that, yeah, the results were great. And we can see in terms of um, consumer spending, the data that's been coming out there, you know, although spending by consumers has, you know, it's starting to tail off, we could see that's more going to do with capital goods as opposed to, to services. So everyone's travelling, everyone's, uh, you know, spending their money in these areas. But again, as you say, that's looking in, in the rearview mirror. Um, you know, Webjet's share price has reacted to their most recent set of results, which which has, you know, they, they surprised the market and most analysts. You know, now it's at the top of a two-year trading range, whether it breaks higher or not. I mean, I'd be, I'd be selling it here. If they could surprise on the upside again and clear all of this overhead resistance, then I'd be happy to re-enter. But I think with the potential for spending to slow down mm. as those interest rate rises sort of start to bite next year, um, it might be as good as it gets for the stock for the time being. Does that apply to flight centre, corporate travel and the like? Yeah, and the like. I yeah. think just general. I think those areas, I mean, you can maybe argue with corporate travel, um, uh, you know, that, that sort of spending is maybe more required. But yeah, I think it's less like discretionary. I think, yeah, exactly. Yep. I think leisure spending is probably one of those that's, that would be first to get cut next year. All right. Carl. Oh, look, Webjet's definitely the pick of that bunch. So flight center, corporate travel, those charts look awful. Michael's ate the nail on the head in terms of summarizing Webjet. Maybe it is as good as it gets. Look, I think there's probably still a little bit of momentum left in the system. But as he says, it's trading at the top of a range. Look, I think you can try and get a little bit more. If you want to be a little bit greedy, I'll give you a, a level there. So sort of 660, I think you can start to trim anywhere to sort of 680. I'm not sure if, you, if you're going to do it right now. However, I'll give you another level if you're worried about it, um, a close beneath uh, 610 would say trim, simply because it's at the top of the range. It's also fully valued. I've got a fair value of about six bucks. It's pretty much there right now. So uh, on that basis, it's not a, it's not a sell. It's, it's a looking to trim around these levels, but happy to hold onto the balance because those short and long-term trends are still pretty good. Okay. All right. And that wraps it up. Let's uh, review it. been the last five stocks there. Mesoblast, Medtech there. It is an avoid from both. Really tricky uh, area to be in. Um, Good Drinks Australia. Well, we know Carl is convinced because he drinks the stuff constantly, uh, by all accounts. Um, he's got a hold on it, though. Uh, also talking about aluminium. Uh, we'll get to that again uh, some other time, Carl. And... Um, Michael there, yeah, worried about it. It is uh, fairly liquid there, but he's got a watch on it. Uh, Pointera, uh, it is a no from Michael and a watch from Carl. Race Oncology, once again, we're in that space. It is, uh, it's, uh, it's very tricky, and uh, as Carl points out, it could be years away before they actually uh, succeed in the development there. Uh, drug, he's got a sell on it and a no from Michael. And Webjet, a sell from Michael. And Carl perhaps looking to trim. It's currently at $6.22, be looking at $6.60. All right, that is our show for today. Carl, thanks so much for joining us from Think Markets. Absolute pleasure. I'm off to get some single fin. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I was stocking up for Christmas. Speaking of which, if I don't see you before, have a great Christmas. You too. Thanks, Andrew. And Michael, likewise. Thanks for joining us on Fairmont and you. enjoy your Christmas. Cheers. All right. And any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au. And you can tweet us at TV. Coming up on Small Caps, Bernard Rowe, Managing Director of Ioneer, talks through the business uh, Rylet Ridge project in the States as advancing into the final stage. Stay with us for that. Mm-hmm.